by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Josh here, my boy. He's like, oh Lord, I wish I wouldn't have come today. <laughs> he, he's 19 years old now, but when he was about four years old, he was so scared of them hair clipper things. I mean, well, if you had me wielding them, you probably would be too. But I would cut his hair. We weren't going to pay for a haircut. Come on. I mean, he's four. And so I would just try to give him a buzz cut. But he was deathly afraid of that thing, and he would fight you. And I'd try. I'm a grown man. I'm trying to hold the boy down. He's fighting me like a bucking bronco, you know, and I'm trying to get a hair. And, and by the time I'd get through, I could probably only get about half his hair, you know, and then He'd look like a punk rocker that lost the battle with the... <laughs> He'd look like a punk rocker that got lost the battle with a devil-possessed flow bee or something. I don't know. <laughs> but we'd get most of it done, you know, and that would be good enough, I thought. But then Angie came to me one day, and she said, Guy, you know, Joshua's four years old now. Pretty soon he'll be looking in the mirror. And <clears throat> she said, I heard her mumble something about what was left of our family pride or something along those lines. I, family reputation, I, I don't know. I, she was going on about that I should do his whole hair haircut at one time. And I said, well, Angie, have you ever tried to hold the boy down? She said, how hard could it be? He's only four. <laughs> So I figured it was time to teach her a lesson. So I, he was only two or three. He was doing all that. All right, so we're telling the story in real time. Okay, so I said, come on, let's do it then. So we hemmed the boy up in the little house. We had a little uh, hallway. And I got on one end and she got on the other. And I said, attack! And we attacked the boy. And we tried to hold him down. Kaylee says she even helped. And for the next 20 minutes, you never heard the screaming, the hollering. Hair was flying everywhere. And I hadn't even plugged up the clippers yet. It was mostly my hair. But we was trying to hold the boy down and we just couldn't do it. After about 20 minutes, we were all sweating and tired. And I just sat back and cut the clippers off. And when I did, something happened that had never happened before while I was trying to cut the boy's hair. Angie sat there, and the boy laid back on her chest and relaxed. And I looked at him, and I thought, he never done that before. <laughs> and I got those clippers, and I cut them on, and he's just still laying there. She had him mesmerized. <laughs> and I'm holding him in front of his face, and he's not doing nothing. And I said, this is my chance. And I reared back, and I came at him. And about that time, Angie said, no! Because I didn't have the guard on the clippers. But it was too late. 
right across the top of his head. A reverse mohawk. Why do I tell this story? I don't know. Because I'm going to use this story as an illustration later to show you that there is an antidote for the spirit of fear. There's an antidote for the spirit of fear. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. Thank you, Lord. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Hmm, he's good. All right, now you've probably heard this scripture this week about a dozen times. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Who hasn't given it to us? So that means somebody else gives us that spirit. God's not given it to us. But he's given us the spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. Now, I don't know why fear gets the top billing in that. When we think of that scripture, we think of the fear scripture, right? You probably said, oh, what's that fear scripture I need? But the real best part of this scripture is what it says God gives us, not what the devil gives us, but God gives us the spirit of a sound mind, love, and what else? Power. How many wants power in your life? So really, this is an exciting scripture other than if we let this spirit of fear disrupt the other three. Would you get an amen on that? So today's message is entitled, Power, Love, and a Sound Haircut. I just had to throw that in there. Power, love, and a sound haircut if you're filling out your bulletins. Okay, so I believe there's a healthy fear, and then there's a spirit of fear. I believe they're two different things. I believe a healthy fear is from God. It's natural. A healthy fear is born of discernment and knowledge. For example, if I discern that over the other side of that cliff, it's a 400-foot drop, knowledge would tell me not to get near it if there's not a guardrail. That's a healthy fear. That's a, that's a stop measure God put in our life to keep us from being totally crazy, totally ignorant. So that's a, it's a rational response to a real fear. That's what a healthy fear is, a rational response to a real fear, to stay away from the high cliff. But then you have Psalms 111, verse 10, and this is just one scripture among many, many scriptures in the Bible that say the fear of the Lord. But it says, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. Would you agree with that? Shouldn't we have awe of the Lord? Shouldn't we... Respect the Lord. But we should also just downright fear the Lord. Because the Bible says 
Don't fear man who can just kill your body, but fear God who can not only kill your body, but throw your soul into hell. I mean, it's the fear of the Lord that keeps this world from going completely crazy. It was the fear of the Lord that kept you thinking, even when you was lost in the back of your mind, that this ain't right. Put a little fear in your heart because you know it's appointed to man once to die, then the judgment, something down the inside of you tells you, that this ain't right, I can't just do this and get away with it. There's a fear of the Lord, and it's completely healthy, and it is the foundation, and it is the, the, the bedrock of true wisdom. When you have that fear of the Lord, then you're standing on solid ground. Y'all awful quiet in this full gospel church today. Now, a healthy fear of the coronavirus might take common sense steps to wash your hands and not to sneeze on folks. You know, to stay in while this thing is going, if you're sick and all that. Use common sense approach. That's, that's just a healthy fear demands a healthy response. But the spirit of fear, which is not from God, which takes this healthy fear, and that's what the devil does. He twists everything that God made for good. He twists it, and he, it becomes a spirit of fear, and then you go out and buy up all the toilet paper and all the hand sanitizers. Now all the food. We're going to lose some weight this month. Hey. You're being driven by a spirit of fear. And the spirit is from of fear is from the enemy. It's irrational. Whereas a healthy fear is, is rational. But this is irrational. This is tormenting and this is debilitating. It stops you from doing the things you ought to do. But just not even talking about what's going on currently in society. Some of you have a spirit of fear about other things in your life. And God's trying to get you past it so he can get you to it. And that spirit of fear has gripped you. And spirits of fear over time become strongholds in your life and limit you. And you've walled yourself off from your destiny. Phobias. Irrational fear. Isaiah 8.11. And you might want to jot this down says, the Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else does. He said, don't call everything a conspiracy like they do. And don't live in dread of what frightens them. Don't fear what they fear. Because they've stirred up the spirit. It's like a big cauldron of the spirit of fear that they're stirring up today. And it's, let's throw another conspiracy in there. They're going to release it. They're going to release uh, these agents into the society. Or, and whatever they can dream up or whatever they can think. And the devil's got his whole crew up there. Let's, let's do this now. Let's tell them this. Let's stir that in there in the pot. The spirit of fear. And it begins... To cause you to dread. And to cause you to be afraid. 
irrationally and to operate in a spirit of fear instead of just common sense healthy fear. A, a common sense healthy fear only lasts while the danger is present. But once I'm safely back from the cliff, I'm not afraid of heights just for the sake of being afraid of heights. I'm not afraid of a six-foot ladder because I have a spirit. I, I, I'm, I'm afraid of heights. And we label ourselves, and we've got this stronghold. Now you can't even climb a stepladder. And that's an irrational fear. What was a healthy fear, the devil has twisted it. You have stirred up that cauldron until now you're not even thinking right anymore. And it has become a phobia in your life, a stronghold in your life. And God is a breaker of strongholds. And I'm going to show you today how to break those strongholds in your life. Real fear only lasts as long as the danger is present. Because Jesus said in Matthew 6, 34, So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Hard to get an amen on that. I mean, this life is hard, right? Today is hard enough to get through today. But some of us thinking about what might happen tomorrow, what the government might do next month, what my job might do when it's up, before it's over with, and we've brought all these conspiracy theories and all this stuff into today and now we're overwhelmed and now we can't even get out of bed hardly where's the joy i don't know it left with the evening news am i telling the truth let me ask you must christians watch the news to know how they're supposed to feel Well, then why are we doing it? Let me, get, let me watch the news to see how everybody else is feeling. That way I can feel that way too. Can't we think for ourselves? Don't we have a better word, a more sure word of prophecy to look to? Let me see what the news is saying see how I'm supposed to feel today. If everyone else is cowering in fear, are we supposed to too? You know, David... When he fought Goliath, he went there to the camp. And that big old Goliath comes out nine foot tall. And he's bad talking our God. He's bad talking us. And David was amazed. All the grown men in Israel are running and cowering and hiding. Oh, don't let it happen to me. Don't let it happen to me. I don't want to face anything. Lord, I'm praying, just let it happen to some other country, but don't let it happen to me. And hiding. And David's like, is there not a God in Israel? What was the difference? David had a real relationship with God. He remembered that his God had delivered him from the mouth of the lion and from the paw of the bear. He remembered how his God had come through for him time and time again. Don't let anything happen to me. We're supposed to be protectors of others, and we so me-conscious, we done worked ourselves up into a frenzy. We can't even get out of bed. 
David's attitude is if God is for me, who can be against me? We're supposed to be the warriors in this society. Christians have something more powerful than the spirit of fear. We have faith. Now, both of those are powerful forces. Don't get me wrong. The power of faith can move a mountain. But the spirit of fear make you want to hide underneath one. But what kind of power do you want to walk in? Elijah, he calls down fire from heaven. Burns up the offering. Then he goes and kills the 400 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of somebody else. I can't remember, but he wiped out the enemy. He's on top of the world. He's a man of faith and power. And then the queen Jezebel says, let's get him. He's like, oh, I got to go with girls after me. <laughs> he faces 800 men and calls down fire from heaven, and the next day he's running from a girl. Is this not the same man? Of course it is. And you know you've been a, a man or a woman of faith and power at one hour only to go home and watch the news and then say, oh, woe is me, and want to run and hide from society. I told the story on Facebook this week about Jesus calming that storm, but it needs to be told again. Jesus had preached on one side. He said, let's go to the other. How many knows when Jesus says we're going to the other side, we're going to the other side? Jesus was so sure of it, he went and laid down in a boat and took a nap. God doesn't worry. And if Jesus is in your boat, you shouldn't either. Jesus is in your boat, right? Okay, so Jesus is in the boat. But they get about halfway across. How many knows Jesus says in this life, you will have tribulation? But he said, be of a good cheer because I have overcome the world. I'm in the boat. But they begin bailing and stuff because the water's crashing in the boat and there's, there's this horrible storm and the wind is blowing them and they're worried about capsizing. And not one of them thought to stand up and say, in the name of Jesus, peace be still. Not one of them. How far do you have to be driven before you, you're driven to your knees? How much are you going to take before you dare to pray? Is God your last resort? Has it come to that? But finally, one of them at least says, let's wake up, Jesus. And somebody woke up Jesus, and Jesus calmly went to the front of the boat. And I like what it says. It says, he rebuked the wind. And then he spoke to the waves and the storm. But he rebuked the wind. How much hot air is going around right now? A lot of talk. A lot of wind. And if you're going to walk in faith and power in this hour, you're going to have to rebuke the wind. Shut up, devil. Get behind me. I'm not listening to your voice. I'm not following the voice of a stranger. I know who my Lord is. I know his voice, and I'm going to follow him. I rebuke this wind. Amen. 
And then he spoke to the situation. And then he said, peace, be still. And it was peace and still. And he's, he's, he wants to speak to your situation. It, rather, he would like for you to speak to your situation in his name. But he will speak to that raging storm going on up here. And the fears and the, the theories and the cauldron of devil's voices trying to get you in a spirit of fear. He will speak to it. He will rebuke it. You can rebuke it. And there will be a great call. And then it says in Mark 440, he turns around, he asks him, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Do you still have no faith? He's amazed. How many times had they been across that lake before? How many times has he brought them to the other side? Didn't I just feed the 5,000? Haven't I raised the dead? How many things has he done in your life and you still have no faith? The next thing comes along. What is the next thing the devil's going to spit out? What's the next tribulation he's going to try to cower you down in fear with? You understand when that devil, that Goliath is raging against your God? You, you need to stand up and fight. Don't let him talk. Martha, she was a warrior by nature. And now her brother's dead. He's been dead four days. She had hoped that Jesus would come, keep him from dying. But now he's dead. And Jesus shows up, and she's a little irritated. And in John eleven twenty five, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. I watched a lot of Clint Eastwood movies. And I ain't never heard no line that bad. I ain't heard John Wayne or nobody say nothing that awesome. And I don't think nobody could. I've, I've never, I could have never imagined a man would be able to say, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live. Even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Do you, Martha? All you warriors? He's saying, it's appointed to man once to die, yeah. But to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Okay, worst case scenario, you die. You get promoted. You're instantly promoted. Worst case scenario. Paul said, I'm in the straight between the two. <laughs> I'd rather go on and be with the Lord. The only reason I'm still down here is because maybe I can help you knuckleheads. That's what he said. I'm in. A, I, I, I would rather go be with the Lord. 
And here, as Christians, we're cowering down, scared of death, scared of dying. Do you believe what he just said? Now, if I ask you, you're going to say, every one of you going to raise, oh, yeah, yeah, I believe it. We have mentally ascended to the scriptures of Jesus Christ. But are we living it? Do we live like we believe it? Man, I, I have a way of pushing on some sensitive places, don't I? I don't think it's me. One reason Jesus came is spelled out in Hebrews 2, verse 15. It says, to release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. All your life you've been a slave to the fear of dying. That is the root of all the fear in your life. What if it hurts me? What if it kills me? What if I die? What if my friend, my family member, what if somebody dies? We're slaves to the fear of dying. And it says he came to release those who through the fear of death are all their lifetime subject to that bondage. He came to release you from that so that you wouldn't be afraid. He came to tell you that though you die, you're still going to live. You don't have to be afraid of dying. Dying is just the last thing that's going to be put under his feet. We, we think like carnals, carnal Christians, like, like mere mortals, Paul says. Like that we're not been given eternal life. We're still thinking that we're holding. Some of us are holding on too long, too strong. We've set up camp down here, and we're supposed to be just sojourning through this wilderness. This is not our home. And some of us are holding on so tight that the fear of losing my little comfortable situation that I've made for myself is, is too, too strong that we can't get out of the house and do anything for God. But Paul says... You can't kill a dead man. See, when you died to yourself, you were buried with baptism with Christ. You were raised to a new life, an everlasting life. The old dead man has been buried. You have already died. Paul said, I die daily. I die daily. I remind myself that I'm not that old man. That I have eternal life dwelling on the inside of me. Most of you know my brother passed. My best friend died on December 26th this past Christmas after a seven-year battle with cancer. I was the day, there the day that he got first diagnosed. They called him and told him on the phone at work, and he brought me into the office, and he told me. And there was no fear from the start. There's no fear in him. Such a God consciousness. Two weeks later, they told him he had a tumor in his brain beside the lung cancer. I went to the hospital. I rushed down there. In me, there was fear. I was panicking. I got there. No fear. He's laughing, talking about going hunting this winter. Everybody who came into the room was like, they came in like this. 
And then they talked to him and they left. All right, we'll see you next week. We'll go fishing. That's exactly, it's the exact opposite of a casino. You ever been to a casino? They all walk in. We're going to win big money. They all walk out looking for quarters. Me and Angie, we, did, we, we lost all our money. We'd go out and, and we would sit there and watch people coming in and out and just laugh. That was more fun than losing your money. I was there with Heath when he finally lost consciousness a couple of days before he passed. There was no fear. There was no fear. I, you may ask his wife, Mindy, and she may say that maybe he addressed it with her. Maybe he shared that he was a little concerned about it, wondering. But I'm sure whatever it was, he quickly put it under the blood of Jesus. He knew where he was going, and his favorite saying was, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. And man, he lived his life to the fullest, even in the midst of what would cause most of us to shrink into ourselves. How will we ever get anywhere in this life if we're afraid of anything unknown? You know, God came to Abram. He said, Abram, I want you to leave your father's house and I want you to go to a place where I will show you. Now, you got to understand, Abram was an old man. He's 70-something years old, I think, at this point. And he's rich. And his father's rich. And they got many cattle and all these things. They have everything. He's settled. He's comfortable. He's got the life. He's got the American dream over there living in Ur. But God called him out of Ur and said, go to a place I'll show you. And I imagine Abraham or Abram at the time said, well, where's this place at? What does it look like? Is it better than this? I imagine he had some questions. But God don't always give us the answers. He just says, go. He calls us out from our comfort on the wings of faith. Do you think Abram, who would later become Abraham, the father of many nations, the, the father of our faith, would have become those things if he'd have said, no, God, I'm good. I, you know, I've got my 401k nest egg, and I've got my retirement planned, and I'm holding on to this side. Do you think he would ever been the father of the faith? I don't think so. I lost my place. Let's see. Abram reckoned that if God was calling him to a place, that God would be there with him. That's really all we need to know. God, are you going to be there? Moses says, I'm not going unless you go before me. Don't even, don't send me, Lord, if you're not going to be there. We just really need to walk with God. That's what faith is. If God asks you to give up something, some of us, if it was just like if he asked you to give up this car you're wanting to buy, it'd be like, no much less your everything that you own to come follow him to a place where he will show you. But Jesus is calling us out beyond. He's calling us to live an extraordinary life, a faith-filled life. That's the kind of life that he can use to build a nation. And he needs a people who will heed Joshua 
God called him to be the leader after Moses. Can you imagine? Moses, the man of faith and power. Moses, the most humble man on the earth. Moses, who, who brought the Israelites out of Egypt, parted the Red Sea, went up on the mountain and talked to God, came back with the Ten Commandments. We're talking Moses. How do you follow in somebody's footsteps like that? It must be overwhelming to think that now you're going to be put in that position. What are they going to think about me? I'm not ready for this. I'm too young. I'm too all these things. But what did God say? God knew he would have fear. God knew it wasn't going to come all at once, that we're not just these mighty faith machines, that it's a real process that builds in our heart. And he said in Joshua 1.9, be strong and of good courage. Don't be afraid or dismayed or discouraged. I'm going to be with you wherever you go. And see, if you could get a hold of that today and know that if God's calling you, he's going to be there. He's gone before you. He goes before us. He's your rear guard and he, he goes before you in battle. He's your high tower. He's your refuge. If you trust God, then you know he's going to be with you wherever you go. And I got to thinking about that, that Joshua, he stepped into the role. And, and the same power that was in Moses, God gave to Joshua. And Joshua was actually the one that brought him across into the promised land when Moses couldn't. But then I got to thinking. I, I went back a little bit and I remembered that Moses was at the burning bush saying, God, I can't talk good. I'm scared, God. Can you get somebody else to do it? Moses had been afraid at first, too. So I'm not here to belittle anybody's fears. You're where you are. You may have strongholds right now that you're thinking, he's talking about me and I feel bad about myself. I'm not. And if you're upset and you're concerned about the coronavirus or the things that's going on in the world today, the nuclear weapons that's all over the world, all these things, if you're concerned about that, I understand. I understand. I'm just trying to give you a helping hand. I'm just trying to tell you it doesn't have to be that way. Jesus said, the peace that I give you, it's not like the world gives. It's the kind of peace that will keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. I want to show you that we don't have to live and cower like the world. We can rise. And this is our hour to shine. Do you believe it? Faith can walk you into the supernatural. See, we can only get so far in our own strength, but faith brings you into a supernatural realm. There's power in the Word of God. There's power in trusting God. Jesus told him at another time to get in the boat and go to the other side, and I'll catch up with you later. And so once again, they get in the boat, they get halfway out there, another storm hits. I imagine they're really a little concerned then. What? We're out here and we don't have Jesus to wake up. What are we going to do? Once again, they're about to go under. But it says Jesus came walking on the water. About 3 a.m. in the morning. You know, sometimes God will just wait. 
see how you're going to respond. But he always shows up for those who are trusting him. Three o'clock in the morning, Jesus comes walking on the, the waves. I can, I can see it now. And they thought it was a ghost. They said, it's a vision. Oh, my goodness. They were scared to see Jesus. But Jesus said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. It is I. I'm not a ghost. I'm not a fairy tale. I'm not some character in an old dusty book that, that you mentally ascend to. I am real. It is me. I am walking on the water. I am capable of, of stomping down your situation. And Peter, the only one in the boat, believed it so strongly. He said, if it's you, then bid me to come to you on the water. And Peter got out of the boat. And that's what we need to do is have the faith to get out of the doubting and the unbelief in the boat and step out into the supernatural that faith will walk you into. And he walked on the water. I'm sure you'll say that, yeah, he got his eyes off of Jesus. Which one of us hadn't failed? But he did walk on the water. He was growing in his faith for a moment. He was in the supernatural. And if he wouldn't have got his eyes off of Jesus, they could have did a two-step out there on the water. <laughs> Boy, they could have had a good time. Jesus said, you was doing good, Peter. Why'd you doubt? Why'd you doubt? Take courage. God's here. What happened when he did sink? Did he go under? That's it. I, I, I stepped out on God, but because I missed it, because I lost my faith for a minute, God let me drown. No, he was right there. And I want you to understand, God's right there. He's right there. He's real. He's not a ghost. He's not a figment, a fig newton of your imagination. He is real. And to, to the degree that you believe that is to the degree that you will do supernatural things in your life. That you will step out. Okay, so you stepped out in faith and you crumbled to the floor. Your faith wasn't where you, but you stepped out. The rest of them are just sitting in the boat. And I guarantee you, Jesus was proud of Peter for stepping out. So Josh had gotten a reverse mohawk. And he was sitting. He didn't know. He couldn't see what I'd done to his hair, thank, thankfully. And Angie was, what are they going to say about us now? But the boy was, he was in perfect peace. Because mama's love was holding him close. You want to know what the antidote for fear is? 1 John 4.18 says there's no fear in love. 
But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Love, God's perfect love in the face of Jesus Christ in your relationship with a real God who is real and he's there, he's ever present, that will drive out the fear that you are experiencing. You say, but I don't know how to, to, to make it real. Then pray to him. Meditate. Worship him. Read his word. His love will give you power, love, and a sound haircut. Wouldn't you like a sound haircut about now? Wouldn't you like a sound mind? I'm at peace. I'm at peace. When all the Israelite soldiers were cowering, David was like, just give me a smooth stone. I got this. My God has got this. My God is in control. If we're truly walking with Jesus, we're living in faith, it's not us that should be afraid, it's the devil. I got to say that again. If we know the love of God, we're not the ones that's going to be in fear. The devil is going to be quaking in his boots. Because now they're like little Jesuses. The work that he did, they're out there doing them too. Even greater works. Because he's at the. He's up there praying for them. If God can get us out away from the cauldron, the spirit of fear, he begin to break down those walls, those strongholds. What do I do, Pastor? Pray. When you feel, you hear that voice of an enemy and it begins to affect you, you begin to pray. Begin to worship Jesus. Remember his love. Remember that he's near. Quote 2 Timothy 1.9. Speak out loud with the sword of the Spirit that God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Quote that. Believe it. Faith comes by hearing. Hear yourself say it. Faith will build. And pretty soon you'll say, get out of here. Get behind me, Satan. You're under my feet. I'm not listening to these lies. I am not afraid. I am not afraid. God has got this. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.